Hi, I'm Dr. Otto Janke, and thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Empire Longevity Podcast. On the Empire Longevity Podcast, we really, truly hope to inspire you, educate you, entertain you, and, and sometimes even kick you in the butt a little bit to your next best decades. So settle down into this one and give it a listen. And thank you for joining us on the Empire Longevity Podcast. A short while ago, I was asked by, by some of my friends, my colleagues, and some of my practice members also, what are some of the most memorable people I've come, come across in my life? And I, I tell everybody that, that actually there's, there's been four women who had four sentences that absolutely changed my life and changed my practice. I'd like to share those four women, those four sentences with you. The first one was, her name was Lisa. And Lisa was a 26-year-old mom of one who would visit my practice for her adjustments on Wednesday evenings, about 5.15. If you've been in practice, you know, and there's some people just, uh, if you have a shop or a practice or or even the bank that, some people, they come in at 11.15. There's Mrs. Johnson. Well, this was Lisa was one of those. She had thick, black, curly, curly hair that came to about shoulder length. Had a round moon face and a spreckle of freckles right across her nose and her cheeks. And she wore these, these, these golden, round-rimmed glasses. But on one weekend, Lisa came in at about uh, about 10.30 on a Saturday morning. It was just odd to see her because she always came in at 5.15 on, on Wednesdays. I said, Lisa, what's going on? And she just had a kind of a smile and a, and a funny look in her eyes. And She said, nothing. I'm just here for my adjustment. Said, huh, okay. She sat down in what we call hot seats, the seats you wait, you wait in to get uh, before you get adjusted. And I said, I said, Lisa, what's going on? And she said, nothing really. And she just had her head crooked to the left side with her elbow bent at 90 degrees while her, one of her fingers just made circles and circles and circles in her, in her hair. Lisa, what's going on? Nothing, nothing really. She said that smile on her face again and kind of fire away look. I said, Lisa, you know, you know, the rules are here. That if you can tell me all the bad stuff that goes on, you got to tell me the good stuff too. What's going on? And she said, "Well, I got uh, I got some blood work back there today, and my T cell counts have gone up." Oh, that's fantastic! Why would your T cells have gone down? And she said, "Well, uh, I'm HIV positive." And I, I said, what? This is the first time I've heard of it. She'd been in my practice for eight months. I'd never heard this before. This was 1994. We're in the middle of the HIV crisis. And back then when you were, you were, you were diagnosed that you were HIV positive, man, they were, they were, they were building a pine box for you. It was a death sentence. So I said, your T-cell counts have gone up, huh? She said, yeah. I said, why, why do you think that is? And she said, you know, I, 
I really gave that a good think over the last uh, last couple of days. And the only thing I've really done differently this whole time is, and she she hesitated. She looked me straight in the eyes and said, "I came to you." Oh, you what? You? My head was my head was reeling, absolutely reeling. I, I was like, holy crap, this chiropractic stuff works. That's amazing. Holy crap. Was, on the outside, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's very interesting. Oh, but, huh, huh, very good. Yeah, well, oh, we anticipated those. Up. You know, I was, I didn't know what I was doing. It's my second year in practice. I'd never seen anybody with HIV before. Amazing. I came and saw you. What was amazing about that was that, that was on a Saturday, and I wasn't seeing many people in my practice a couple of days. That's about it, you know, first time to practice on your own. And so on that Monday, I called up uh, my alma mater, Palmer College of Chiropractic. I said, do you guys know about the stuff, HIV and, and chiropractic and people helping? They're like, yeah, you should call up uh, uh, Life College Chiropractic in uh, Georgia. Talk with John Grostick. John Grostick was one of the one of the leading researchers in chiropractic. So I called up Life. You know, I didn't know. I called up Life, Life College. I said, can I speak with the uh, research department? Hold, please. They put me on all of a sudden. Research department. I said, uh, can I speak with John Grostick, please? Hold, please. And uh, John Grostick. It's like, holy crap, I'm, I'm speaking to the man. I said, I, uh, uh, Dr. Grostick, this is Otto Janke. <laughs> As if he knew me from no one, you know. Um and he and I talked for a while about HIV and CD4 cells of patients that were going up because they're being adjusted. It was amazing, absolutely amazing. But I came and saw you. That was the first sentence. The second sentence was, was by a, a practice member who has become a good friend of mine. And Kimberly messaged me after she had gone... Uh, she had had a double radical mastectomy with the lymph nodes taken after breast cancer. She had the BRCA, BRCA1 mutation. And she had a double radical mastectomy. And she went through the chemo. And after all that, she, she contacted me and said, I'd like to come to your office and, and go under, get under care by you. I got to tell you the truth. I... I'd never anybody who had gone through a double radical mastectomy and come to my office for care. I'm sure they have, but I'll tell you the truth, I hadn't. I didn't know what to do. So I, I defaulted back into being just, just a human being, a caring human. And a caring human was a chiropractor. So we went through our first day, and, and uh, in our office we always do heart rate variability, surface EMG and thermal scanning. But the big one is the heart rate variability. We see how well their nervous system can adapt, how their autonomic nervous system can adapt. And it's it's a fantastic test. And we do it with everybody now. We've been doing it for 15 years. Absolutely foundational for us. And we found out her nervous system was just toast. Absolutely toast. Absolutely toast. With the research we've done now, we find it it's usually that way for about 10 years afterwards. Even though they've done everything perfectly, the surgery, chemo, everything went great, and they're deemed no evidence detected, the nervous system is still toast, absolutely toast. We put her under care and uh, for about seven, eight months. 
when she first came in, her digestive system was just a mess. She had the brain fog, massive lethargy, just her muscles just hurt all over her fingers and toes. She couldn't feel them. And she would go into water. She told me she was in, in the ocean. She couldn't feel the water around her, her thorax. But as she got adjusted and we actually watched her nervous system wake up, we watched her nervous system wake up. She said, you know something? I can feel. I can feel. <laughs> I can feel. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. The third woman was... A woman we met, uh, my wife and I were at the North Rim of the Grand Canyon. And uh, at North Rim of the Grand Canyon, 90% of the people who go to the Grand Canyon go to the Southern uh, southern Rim. We went to Northern Rim. The contrarians that we are. And um, what you do is you, you have dinner there at the great lodge that they have, and you overlook the, the canyon. And then after dinner, you go out in this big veranda, this big wooden veranda porch, and you sit in your Adirondack chairs and you sit there and you have a cup of coffee or wine, whatever you're having, and you look at the canyon and you just chat. It's a great, it's, it's a grand canyon. I mean, it's, it's grand. They should call it a really freaking awesome canyon, but I think that might have been too long for them. And uh, this woman, who was probably in her 60s, sat down next to us. And I, as I am apt to do, as you can imagine, as my wife and I are apt to do, we, we started, picked up a conversation with this woman. Well, she was a retired teacher, taught for, you know, the 40 years, 35, 40 years that teachers will. And it was really the next line, she said, that really says back. And she said, you know something, I, as, as we're sitting here overlooking the canyon, watching the sun go down, and every, every single degree that sun goes down over the, over the uh, western sky, you you, the canyon changes a little bit and those nooks and crannies open up and those ones get, get blackened out by shadows. And you watch this whole scenario just evolve in front of you. And the colors and, and the painting changes every freaking second. It, it's, it's a grand canyon, but it's a super freaking awesome canyon too. And uh, it was the next, next line that she said that really set us back. And it was, I'm not sure if I'm healthy enough to enjoy this. What? You you don't think you're healthy enough to enjoy this? I mean, my my dear Lord, you're sitting down and you just have to look. That's all you got to do is just look. And she didn't know if she was healthy enough to, to do that. It changed my outlook on what I'm going to do, what I was going to do for the next number of years to make sure I'm healthy enough to get to retirement and healthy enough to enjoy retirement. I don't think I'm going to retire, but... It's why work your ass off for 30, 40 years and not be healthy enough to freaking enjoy retirement. So I got to tell you, that's a lot of my practice right now is helping you get to your next, not, not just have your next, not have your next decades, but have your next best decades. I'm not quite sure if I'm healthy enough to enjoy this. And the fourth, the fourth woman and sentence that changed my life was, was my mom. And my mom had, at the point of the story, I'm going to tell you, my mom had been diagnosed with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis almost two years previously. 
idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis is, it's a bastard of a disease. It's a bastard. And uh, the inside of your lungs turn into scar tissue. And they, they fill up more with scar tissue. Idiopathic, don't know why, pulmonary, lungs, fibrosis, scar tissue. We don't know why your lungs are filling up with scar tissue. It has a 100% mortality rate, unless you go get lung transplants or something, which aren't always that great. My mom wouldn't, wouldn't have chosen that. But on one, on one late winter Saturday morning, there was a small group of people meeting at my mom and dad's house. I practiced in my hometown, so their house is less than a mile away, and I could drive right past it if I wanted to every day. And on this day, there was a group of people who would be meeting, sometimes a little different, but typically it was two of my brothers and myself, maybe one of their, some of their kids, and maybe an aunt, an uncle, or a cousin. And they'd come into town and have brunch. And I'll be realistic with you, and I'll tell you that they were there to, on a goodbye tour. It was obvious mom was not going to be around to make Christmas or even next year by any means. So people were on their the see, see you later tour. And then my, my mom would sit down for four of these brunches and just sit right there at the, her, her end of the table overlooking the, the cutout of the window, the bowed window that was right next to her, her left arm. And always attached to her for the last, last year and a half was an oxygen tank that went kept on pumping air into her because she couldn't breathe. You watch someone, you watch someone slowly suffocate more and more. It's a bastard. A woman who taught me, taught me absolute independence was now massively dependent upon an oxygen tank. So mom got up from her seat Decided she wanted to go into the, into her, uh, sit at her rocking chair. Well, you had to watch mom when she's doing this because she's unsteady. And mom gets up and uh, starts to walk on the brick red linoleum floor. Now, mind you, to do this, you and I could do it in, you know, three, four seconds, you know, go from there to there. You got to go into, into the living room, take a small little left hand turn onto the, uh, orangey colored shag carpet ish uh, to her seat. Something you and I get up and do, no problem. No problem. We could probably hop on one foot and do it. But mom had to stop two or three times to catch her breath while she's on her way there. And she she'd have to maneuver herself close to the the the, the refrigerator and then the over on the left-hand side, then on the right-hand side to the where the post was for the going to the next room. And then she had to, she had to kind of skedaddle over to the, the, the wooden part, the eaves that were on the, on the dining room table, and then make the long, you know, five or six feet over the no-man's land to her chair. So I watched her do that. And as she sat down in her chair, she didn't sit. She kind of, she kind of slumped down, heavy, heavy slumped down into it. And she's doing this. 
something you and I would do, no problem. I mean, we'd go up, we could do it a thousand times. I'd never be out of breath like that. And she's exhausted. And she raises her right hand. She's sitting in her, in her gliding chair that had the light green cushions to it with a ottoman right in front of her with a light green cushion there. And she puts her arm on the right armrest and she gives me the Pope wave. You know, she moves her first two fingers back, you know, back and forth and she's beckoning me on, you know, like the Pope does. When the, when the Pope gives you the beckoning on, you go see the Pope, right? So I come over and I, I sit on the stool right in front of her and I said, what's up? She said, I want you to call the priest. What? You want me to do what? What? Call the priest. What? 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 what, what are we on? A, we on a stopwatch here? We on a calendar? What are we on here? Call him. Okay. You know, and the Pope tells you to call. You, you call. So I said, I'll do that. I'll do that. But it was the next, the next sentence that that stopped me. It made me just change everything. Now I'm sitting right in front of her, and she's still panting. I mean, come on, man, do it. I mean, you and I could have run a run a quarter mile. I mean, and wouldn't have that same kind of problem. I'm sitting there in front of her on the on the ottoman, knees to knees. I'm stumped. I'm slumped forward a little bit just to get a better hear from her. It was the next sentence, and she says, "You know." With, with without your health, you have nothing. Oh, without your health, you have nothing. Without your health, you have nothing. Without your health, you have nothing. That line, it's etched, it's tattooed inside my brain with a wooden graver, with a wooden graver, it's tattooed right inside my brain. Without your health, you have nothing. It's been the focus of my life since then. It's my focus for you, for the empire longevity. I don't want you to have next decades. I want you to have your next best decades because without your health, you have nothing. You're going to hear me say this many, many times. I don't care about how many zeros you got in the bank. I don't care how big your house is. I don't care how many freaking cars you got. I don't care. Because without your health, you have nothing. Who cares if you've got all that money and you can't, you aren't healthy enough to enjoy it or have other people enjoy it or have other people enjoy all those cars because you're not healthy enough. Without your health, you have nothing. Let's not make it your next decades. Let's make it your next best decades. That's our goal. Empire Longevity, that's our goal for you. And those are the four women, the four sentences that changed my life. I hope they, they push you a little bit too. Thank you. Thank you for listening.
thank you for joining us on the Empire Longevity Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and you got at least a couple of nuggets out of that. Feel free to come on back and listen to more. Visit us at EmpireLongevity.com and we hope we can be part of your next best decades.